Everybody know that, but when when hookers are trying to d- illegally download your sh- sh- girl, that was true. It's for real. You know I ain't corporate. You know um, I'm doing my own thing and shooting stuff. You gotta you gotta support your artists. That's one thing you know. From my generation, well, we all of the same generation, really. You have got to support. They say you know the ballot box voting. You should go vote. You should go vote. But the real political power is right up here on the cash register. It's on the cash register. It's what you buy. It's how you support. That's what's for real. You know. So what I'm trying to say is, you better sissy or walk on over to iTunes and find my record. Cause you know how am I gonna how am I gonna pay my bills? And the thing is this, honey. You like what I do? Go and support. Oh, how much it cost? How much it cost for this? this song costs 99 cents. Well, true, it's true. 99 cents not a bargain when you do not have 99 cents. So in that case, you'll just have to listen to this. And you know, I'm telling you, yeah, it's cute. It's cute for her to be talking up on the record like this. But at the same time, you could be jamming to Sister That Walk. Now, Sister That Walk is a song that my friend Rich Juswiak was telling me he went to a child pageant and they have all these, um, you know, these coaches, you know, and they are gentlemen of the fine feathered gentlemen society who, you know, who teach these little girls how to be in the pageants. So one of the things that they would say to these girls, yes, Missy, these are 12 year old, 10 year old girls. And then these, these men, are t- these coaches are telling these girls in their pageants, yes, Missy, you better sissy that wow, sissy that wow. He told me that and I just fell out. I thought, oh my goodness, that's a great phrase. So I said, Lucian, we're gonna have to write a song about it. You better sissy that walk. And of course, if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, you know I've been saying it for a couple of seasons now. Now it's this season, season six, it is the runway walk song, you know, with the girls runway walk too. Now I don't know why I'm talking all um, Negro, like this is how my, my daddy talked like this. He said, I don't, I, what the, and he, he would say, now what the girls call um, Ru, uh, consequently, uh, well, uh, what, what had happened was, uh, and he talked like that. So I don't know why I'm doing, you know, I'm just gonna talk this, go to iTunes, so I could get my thing, y'all, cause I wanna get that pain and bills in that wall, good. This is uh, Ink Studs, and uh, my guest this week is Mariko Tamaki. Hello. Hello, Mariko. Hello. Uh, it's very official. It feels very <laughs> official. Well, we're sitting in, you know, a green room. <laughs> the quarter deck. The quarter deck. That's such an odd name. It's it's like a not a full deck. Vancouver's not a very nautical city, though, no. so when people try How to How can it not be a nautical city? It's right on the water. Yeah, but we don't have, like, that shipping history yeah. the way, like, you know, like, Newfoundland. Like, if you're in St. John's or if you're in, like, Halifax, there's, like, this, like, Yeah, the Gastown history, history. You have the bar. Yeah. The yeah, whole the, town founded on a bar. That burnt down because someone got drunk one night. And well, that's what happened. There was a guy named Gassy Jack. Right. And so... Right. That's that's Vancouver's history. So yeah, nautical drinking. Uh, I'm also joined by my friends Lydia and Zane. Hello. Who've come uh, to join in and help me out today. Thank you both for coming. Thank you both for Thanks coming. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, now, I was... Earlier, Zane was asking me when the last time I interviewed you, I realized it's been six years. Yes. Wow. I didn't realize it had been that long. It has. And I think the last time I was here for the Vancouver Writers Festival, wasn't it? You weren't you here in the summer for something? I you were here for like a couple of days. I might have been here for the Powell Street Festival, oh, okay. which is another you know Vancouver reason to come mm-hmm. to Vancouver yeah. for me, which mm-hmm. is a pretty awesome festival. Actually, I was just talking to somebody about like I mean I'm here a lot, 
four festivals, yeah. which is great. No, you know, no complaints. I love it. I love this festival. This is my fave. This is your second time doing. This is my Fest? second time doing the Vancouver Writers Festival. Although the first time, actually, like kind of like a launching moment in my career was when I came here for like a comedy night that was organized by somebody, and I read with Will Ferguson and. Aslan Hunter, I want to say, and uh, Henderson Lee, and uh, yes, and uh, Will Ferguson was like, hey, you should do this more often, and that like kind of like got me writing more. He got me in an anthology, which totally like changed um, my career a little bit, so I, you know, I feel like I owe Vancouver a little bit. So you were doing more performance before you were doing writing? Well, I mean, I, you know, I was doing whatever was available. So I, uh, I started off, uh, you know, in Montreal. And so I started off in the sort of spoken word scene. So if you were a writer when I started, you were a reader. You were like a poetry event. Also was a lesbian. And lesbians, our, our preferred mode of communication is to stand in front of a mic and, <laughs> and read a poem about a woman <laughs> who had done you wrong. So I started in that, I started in that place. And then from that, when I moved to Toronto, I started doing even more of that stuff. And there, it was less like a microphone and more of like a theater, because mm. Buddies in Bad Times Theater was mm. hosting a lot of these mm. things. So, uh, And then from that, mm. I took a writer's class, and I ended up writing sort of... I think what I ended up doing was mostly sort of solidifying the things that I was reading uh, as short stories. And yeah. like, you know, editing them, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and eventually... Um, was published by a couple smaller feminist yeah, yeah. presses. Cool. Yeah. I think, Zane, you mentioned earlier a question that kind of would go in well here. Uh, <laughs> I think it might have been the one about, I think because I was asking, because you, you grew up in Toronto, right? I did. Um, so I was just wondering about how it was to like find community in Toronto and in like, Toronto. build a community mm -hmm. when you were younger or even... Well, like growing up, being in Toronto. I mean, I went to, I mean, my first community was, I mean, I went to a private girls' school. So my first wow. community was the very small community of people I didn't hate at my private girls' school. Uh, and then I really found community more when I went to uh, McGill in Montreal. And that's when I came out of the closet and joined the LGBTQM, which was the queer organization there. And that was really the first time I had a community. It was like instantly I could like, you know, not have to be friends with my mean private school, girl school <laughs> friends anymore. <laughs> and it really was like a, you know, it was like a really intense posse of people. We really mm -hmm. were like a community of people and, um, you know, especially the sort of women's community there was really strong. Like I lived in like, you know, a coven of lesbians in a little sort of apartment building. Uh, and so that was a real... That was the thing. I mean, I think I kind of came out and got community as a result of that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then when I moved to Toronto, there was a really strong lesbian community of writers. Mm. And that mm. was like, it was a period. And actually, I think someone is writing about that now for some for something else. But we were just talking about like 2000 to 2005 was, there was like a variety of spoken word stages where you could go. There was... Fireweed magazine, which was publishing stuff. There was Kiss Machine, which was another. Like there was places you could go. This is back when you still had to get published in yeah. print mm -hmm. to get published. Mm -hmm. And there was like little, you know, feminist communities around those too. So, mm -hmm. uh, and actually, I got into comics because of Kiss Machine, which is published by Emily Polweary, and she uh, was, you know, decided for whatever reason, which I've never really understood, that she wanted to do comics. Mm -hmm. And so that was, you know, it's it's really so much about having someone give you an opportunity mm -hmm. which yeah. is you know so hard to come by yeah. but you really just need one person to say like regardless of whether or not you're super good mm -hmm. I'm gonna let you write this thing yeah. <laughs> you know like you're not, you're not the best but you you should get a chance to write this thing you know I think that that's like a huge oh. part of writing that gets kind of overlooked in a lot of places is that some of writing is not like you know, being in some like, you know, stratosphere of super awesome, you know, random house, whatever, yeah. big publisher writers, it's about just starting whatever you do and just working on it, which I had, you know, a lot of opportunities to do because of, mm -hmm. because of being gay. 
partially. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I mean, yeah. I was. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the first things I did were, were they were like, queer youth, and I was like, that's me. I was like 22. I was like, that's me. I would like to come to that event. So I was really lucky. That's awesome. Yeah. So you found you're getting pushed a lot um, creatively by these opportunities, like yeah, kind of taking strides as each thing. Well, even just like not even strides. I think it's just like, you know, it's just like the effort. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, it's it's the effort beyond your first stab. Like your first stab is always like, you know, the loosest. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. like when I was reading on stages when I was like a young, you know, queer, quote unquote, poet. And someone would be like, I just wrote this on the way to the gig, man. I'm just going to read this poem right now. And then the next <laughs> effort is to take that and fix it right. so it's better. Yeah, right. And uh, and then, you know, the next effort is to, like, experiment and try yeah. maybe to write a story mm-hmm. like a play or right. maybe write a comic or do wow. something that is not your immediate, you know, realm of experience. So, um, and I feel like it was a long time of, like, experimenting and fixing things and working at things and then for whatever reason I think especially with skim everything just kind of like clicked it just sort of was like I'd come to this place where I'd a better sense I'd done a lot of experimenting and writing and trying things and I was just it just you know I think it made that process going into that process a little easier Mm because I was clear about what I wanted to do Mm. so yeah now We've talked about Skim a bunch before because you said it had been on six years ago. Right. Um, (laughs) But I was thinking about, um, I mean, earlier you are talking about, you know, you're writing poetry about, you know, the ex that done you wrong. And I'm thinking about, like, that idea of autobiography. And I'm wondering about how, um, when you're kind of telling stories taken from different points in your life, um, how your newer book... This one summer, right? Uh, which came out just this past summer, mm-hmm. conveniently. Um, kind of. I mean, it takes. It's a story that takes place in a younger woman's life. Yeah. Previous this game, and I'm wondering about how, like, because I was also read that blog post you did, like the letter to your teen self. Yeah. And I'm wondering um, about like you're kind of digging deeper. Into, yeah. Into your memories and into like. I feel like processing. This- I feel like this one was less about digging into memory as digging into just this kind of, like, it's more about sort of, like, feelings, right? Mm. Like, for me, it was really about um, that feeling of, like, you know, like, Julian and I talked a lot about this idea of nostalgia mm. and, like, you know, mm. when you're a person and you're starting to have, like, these kind of feelings of nostalgia mm. for your own, like, 12-year-old self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just those feelings of, you know, unease, right? Like, you know, I think a lot of you know change especially when you're 12 it's so visceral it's so mm-hmm. everything is so discombobulating and confusing and um so i th- when i started this i really dug this grabbed the setting from my memories and like this is absolutely based on you know Nottawaga and when i was at a co- at a cottage in northern ontario but the actual characters it was really kind of interesting not to draw on my own. Mm-hmm. There was a couple mm-hmm. things that I used to do with my friends when I was a kid that I thought would kind of make their way into this and then it ended up being that they were so their own characters mm-hmm. that they weren't there. And mm-hmm. I actually specifically because I mean, you know, I go to I go to school, my old high school frequently and I'm constantly cornered by teachers saying that they think <laughs> they know who is the person in this story. <laughs> There is no person. Um, And so I, like, specifically went out of my way to say, I'm not going to base this on any people. Mm -hmm. Like, I specifically was like, who is a cast of characters that is not a cast of characters that I grew up with? And so that's who is in this book. It's just, like, really, like, literally snatched from, you know, totally inspired by little kids and me. And actually what I was... um, which I've said, I guess I can never remember who I've said something to. Um, but a lot of the, the sort of kidness of this is from my own experiences with kids more recently. Mm-hmm. Like my friend's kids, like these super smart, precocious kids who are like saying these things that you're like, you're 10, like don't talk to me about this <laughs> stuff. So it's, you know, really kind of a mishmash of all of those things. And I really tried to stay away from, yeah, it was a real 
it was a really interesting challenge for me to say, you know, this is about just like more about a feeling than about mm-hmm. like a memory that I'm expanding on. There's something interesting and exciting about the book, the way like you're saying it's about a feeling and for me it's like it's about kind of just capturing a point. Yeah. Like, it's not about specifics, and that's kind of one of the fun things about the, the story, is, like, you yeah. really avoid being too specific on things. Well, yeah, and I think that that's... I mean, it's such a hard thing to get to do. Yeah. I think a lot of the time, especially for YA, there is this feeling that you have to come to some level of closure, and you have to be really clear about what's happening, right? Like, you know, a lot of it is, like you know, expanding on, you know, okay, well, what's really happening to this character right now? Like, a lot of, especially, you know, in YA, you have to have a character literally say, like, I really don't know if I trust you because I've been through all the stuff that just happened to me, and you and I have this relationship, and I'm worried about my mom. You know, you have to be so specific. And so I think that really one of the great things about comics, and especially our combination of comic book publishers, which is a really great... YA publisher in Canada and mm-hmm. First Second who are just amazing uh, comic book publisher in the States is they nobody said to us like that there was anything that we had to do yeah. other than just tell the story we wanted to tell so like you know we have mm. an incredible amount of free reign mm. which is so hard to come by yeah. <laughs> anywhere else That's like awesome. I can tell you from experience to so just go and I was like waiting there's a scene in this where they talk about what like what is oral sex? Yeah, and I was I like, know, I someone's gonna tell us that they can't put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but I thought like I, I really wanted it to be in there because I was like, this is a conversation that would happen. Yeah. Like I, I know it's not necessarily like PG, but it, it's still PG in that they don't say anything, mm-hmm. you know, explicit. I think I f- first heard the term blowjob when I was in Greek. Right? So, I mean, everybody knows, and the idea that you would kind of whitewash that out, so... But, you know, they were like, look, they all... Everybody flagged it. Everybody was like, what's, you know, writing about oral sex, it's a book about two young girls. And I'm like, nobody's having oral sex, though, right? It's this, they're just mentioning Mm -hmm. the... Like, it's like in This American Life, they say, like, we're going to mention the existence of this thing. (laughs) (laughs) And then leave it at that, right? I'm not... we went to the, Julian and I went to the Houston Teen Book Fest, mm-hmm. and uh, we did this thing called the 12, oh my god, it's like, it doesn't exist anywhere else, it's called the 60 mile per hour author interview, which basically was, they picked us up at the airport with a trunk full of, with a truck full of kids, and the kids asked us questions as we drove. That's awesome. <laughs> so you're like jet lagged. I'm little so out of it. Like your, your head is just like. Also like Jillian texted me like. Because <laughs> she had like. I think she had like a, a couple girls and like one boy. And she saw them like switch off while she was still in the car <laughs> to like. To like four 12 year old boys or five 12 year old boys. <laughs> so she, she texted me in advance like. Have fun. Because <laughs> we arrived separately. Um, but, you know, it was, it's cool to talk to 12-year-old yeah. boys. Like, they were very, like, like their thoughts about what happened in this one summer were very distinct from my mm-hmm. thoughts about it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they said, there's a, a boy in the book who is, may or may not be the father of a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, like, a scene that's kind of hard to say, you know, I think it's pretty obvious, but I guess it's kind of hard to say what happens. And all these boys were like, that girl cheated on her boyfriend. And I was like, how do you know? And they were like, it's really obvious that that girl cheated on her boyfriend. Like, they immediately went to this teenage boy's perspective. And then they went, I was like, do you have any questions for me? And they were like, yes, we do. And they pulled out the scene, and they were like, what's this about? There's a scene about where they're talking about what oral sex is. And I was like... (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? I said, that's what I said. I said, what do you think it's about? And they were like, no, 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 no. (laughs) So I was like, that's girls talking about the stuff yeah. that they don't understand. Yeah. So I said, mm-hmm. it's confusing because they don't really know what's going on. And they were like, I guess these boys did know what was going on. So they, they seem pretty sure of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's like interesting. You, when you were talking about like that feeling, like I was walking in the neighborhood because I do that. Um, and 
that was one of the scenes that I totally remembered because it triggered when my partner and I were just walking around at night and then seeing these like 12 year old kids that were like they were all hanging out it was summertime and they were all talking about blowjobs yeah and they were like and they didn't know what the hell it was actually (laughs) no and you don't those conversations and it's like it's so important to have books to like I think Mm -hmm. that can reflect that and not censor it thanks it totally happens I think so I think it is important I think it's important to write books about that are because I think it's such a confusing thing mm-hmm. and I don't think that the book a book's job is to give you the answer to yeah. what's the situation here I think a book's job is just to say yeah this is really weird mm-hmm. like just to reflect it back mm-hmm. um, yeah I mean I'm no mother goose I'm not gonna say hey kids don't you know don't do this you know, don't get, <laughs> don't get pregnant. <laughs> don't let stop. I'm going to be more the person who's like, this is, seems to be what I see going on. Yeah. So you tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm right, you know. Yeah. Well, it's one thing. There's no kind of moral um, dilemma. There's no kind of, or not moral dilemma, but moral value in the book. Yeah. It's just people making mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's the main... I mean, whenever I start, usually the question that ends up sort of taking the most time is, like, what does this character think that they're wrong about? Mm-hmm. Like, where are you wrong in this situation? Because every character starts off being pretty sure of themselves and then having that kind of messed up and then coming out the other side and being, you know, more or less sure of themselves. So, especially for this one, it was a really interesting because... The other side of that, which, you know, Jillian and I have talked about, is, like, they don't end up being all that sympathetic, right? Like, <laughs> it, was, it is a balance of actually making someone who's yeah. having a hard mm-hmm. time, like Rose, who's having mm-hmm. a really hard time, be likable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and Or that you want to sort of, like, you're pushing for her, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we and we went back and forth on the mom, too, because someone who is um, distant and can come off as being just really cold and we didn't want that to be true either mm-hmm. so um yeah we had a lot of talks about Roseanne about Alice and how to make mm-hmm. them you know full-bodied characters mm-hmm. do you find that you yourself kind of look back at mistakes and oh process God. them continuously <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I mean I think I'm also I'm just I think that that's what makes things really interesting, right? I mean, I'm divorced, so I've obviously made mistakes, but I think that I, you know, I don't, I'm at a point where I don't really regret anything mm-hmm. because I think mm-hmm. I didn't know the stuff that I know now when I was, you know, younger. So, you know, it's all right. It's not, the thing is, is it's not the end of the world, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's about what Skim is about. Skim is about this is not the mm-hmm. end of the world. Yeah. Like, one person thought it was, but skim finds out that it's not Mm -hmm. um and that's you know that's the big moral of the story there now you're talking a little bit about um having conversations with julian were you guys a lot more collaborative on this book oh i'd say i mean i think we were also i mean it's just first of all such a huge project Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. also i think whereas skim right away I, you know, had had a sense of the diary, and I mean, I think because Skim is a diary, there's a different structure that kind of mm-hmm. goes with it. I think because there's no sort of diary structure in this, like there's a narrative voice mm-hmm. and there's dialogue, but there's no real, um, it wasn't as, it was a bigger thing. It was like a more amorphous thing. It was more complicated. There's more mm-hmm. characters at play. Um, and we had done this once before, so we were sort of like, I think we were kind of game, both game to sort of just... Just like bring it on. Bring it, yeah, exactly. So we actually had a lot of sort of Skypes, and the script definitely evolved. Like there was like a dream sequence in the original, which we ended up cutting, and mm-hmm. um, a whole bunch of things. But I think that this was also just like, yeah, it was much more a sense of. I mean, that's the thing. Like we were talking about, you know, the whole idea of like a writer and illustrator versus co-creators. Yeah. Like this notion that one person writes the text and goes away, and another person comes in and like just draws it is just completely inaccurate to the actual process, which is that you both have to understand the story the same way and are both writing the story as, you know, as the pages unfold. Like, 
it's not like Jillian's not writing just because she's drawing a picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just talking about Jillian's drawing, um, the the other inter- when I interviewed her, I was with uh, my friend Brandon, who also a cartoonist, um, and he was like kind of dumbfounded just by how amazingly drawn mm-hmm. the book is. Like, he actually yeah. had a hard time processing that for a while. Like, he had a hard time reading because it's like, she drew so good. Yeah. yeah. Like, she draws so, so good, good, right? Yeah. She draws yeah. so good. Yeah, I mean, I'm constantly, it's <laughs> it's such a, like, a, you know, an amazing, like, like, I'm so happy about my genetics that we're related. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm, like, thankful every day that we're related. Be- that and that you know the sequence of events happened mm-hmm. that I was like oh like when skin was happening I was like oh I, n- I have someone who's my cousin who I don't really get to see that much yeah. who, tr- who draws mm-hmm. you know and at the time I could see from like the first drawing she did I was like I have this feeling she's immensely talented also she's a tabacky so you can't go wrong <laughs> um, and so I think it's really a just incredible thing and I can see like just you know, it's it's also even just working with her. It's intimidating sometimes. I'm just like, you know, yeah, it's totally intimidating. I mean, she's so good at what she does, and is you know so grounded in what she does. I think it's just really. I it's also it's inspiring to me. It makes mm-hmm. me want, like for this story, I definitely felt like, well, this is a chance for us to work together again. There has to be some gravitas to this. You know, yeah. it's not going to be like. I'm not going to ask her. Yeah, or like, (laughs) let's go to the prom. Or, you know, like, it definitely ups my game in terms of Mm. what I want to do because I'm working with her. So kind of writing to the strengths. Yeah, it's really writing to... It's writing to this thing. Like, I was even thinking when she first was like, well, maybe we could do another book together. My first thought was Muskoka, was that whole sort of scene because I was like... She will, she will draw so good. <laughs> it will be so good. And I just thought, like, oh, this is... I could totally picture her drawing it as soon as we started talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, had so, you, so, like, looking at what she had been drawing in the meanwhile, like, with the Super Mutant Magic Academy? No, I actually didn't. I mean, it's funny because I almost thought, like, I think that Super Mutant Magic Academy is such a... I mean, Super Mutant Magic Academy shows that she's a great writer. Yeah. She's incredibly funny, and she, you know, she does not need a writer. I'm really lucky that she <laughs> wants a writer sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I think that Super Mutant Academy was such a, it's such a crazy, awesome thing. I think that this was kind of like... Um, I think seeing Skim and seeing what Skim looked like, I thought, yeah, that this, that this next thing will be awesome. Also, like, I, I mean, you know, I follow her editorial illustrations as well. So I'm a huge fan of those as well. Um, so that also made me think of some really cool things. And we, you know, there's, I love this book because it's got, you know, originally it was much more magical. It was supposed to be this kind of like magic dragon in the bottom of the creek when I first conceived of it. Mm. But there's like little magical things. Like there's just like little bits of, you know, like the stomach flipping and yeah, that's that whole thing is amazing. little bits, right? Yeah. So I think that that's that's super cool. I love that part mm-hmm. with the yeah when her stomach goes turns into like mm-hmm. a rubber band. Yeah, I love that too. I think that's great. Now, before we started, you were telling us a story about how teachers approach you in regards to scam. Yes, teachers do approach me, uh, thinking it is it is true, and I will go on the record as saying scam is not true. This one summer is not true. Uh, that's it. Okay. Mika Superstar, also not true. <laughs> <laughs> None of those true. I mean, it's funny because, you know, I mean, I'm obviously somebody who writes a lot about teenage girls, and my preference is to write something which I don't see very often, which is like, I like a chubby teenage girl, mm. and I like an Asian chubby teenage girl, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I don't see those. I never saw those. Yeah. I, you know, so for me, that was really important. And then the other flip side of those, people are like, it's totally you. You know, and you're like, no, it's not. There's more of us out there. You can say it's um, Olivia from now on. I will. So, yeah, that's like a, that's a thing. But I also still just, you know... I w- did try this book that I'm working on now, which is, like, almost finished. I tried really hard to write a book about a boy, like a male protagonist. Couldn't do it. Well, earlier, Zane and I watched uh, your uh, short film. Oh, yeah. Happy, happy, happy 16th birthday. Yeah, happy Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> right? My acting debut. 
I love that movie. That movie is such a weird thing that I got to do with my weird friends, and I love it. That's a story about a boy. It is a story about a boy, actually. Um, I do like... It's funny because um, I saw that whole story so clearly. Like, this, the idea of, like, the worst goth birthday party ever. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just, like... It was the weirdest thing. Like, in part, one of the reasons that we made the movie was I was like, I have never seen something so clearly as I see this little bit. And it's a movie. And I just want to make it. I don't even care. My yeah. friend Jen Markowitz is the director, and she was like, let's just do it. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was so much fun to make. And <laughs> I cast all my friends who are in their 40s, <laughs> in my own kids in the hall. Yeah. Uh, you know very toronto it's very toronto yeah it is very toronto piece but yeah i would love actually we had a sequel plan but we just have don't have the money so someday i would like to have the money and film the sequel because uh, we wanted to do like 16 candles would be the first one mm-hmm. and then um breakfast club would be the second one the goth mm. breakfast club. yeah goth breakfast club. <laughs> oh my god that's awesome yeah have i told you about my days djing in goth club yes. you have so you could do a, you could do a cameo. <laughs> cameo. Uh, I, I can uh, give you some good uh yeah good, yeah, yeah. Good song ideas. yeah no one wants to see 20 year old robin again oh uh, listen you never know right yeah. i know it's so much fun doing the makeup and that too i had this great wig it was like my favorite part of it <laughs> i was wearing a wig all day oh, it was great it was interesting like watching that and then i remembered the hidden cameras video the gay goth scene yeah and it's such like a great contrast from that because that's like a really brutal violent thing and your right. video was just so warm well that was the thing was to make it feel really sweet because i think i mean i think that i mean i so i love goths yeah. i you know that's like those are my people like if you were like i i just bought a poncho and i bought a poncho because i'm still a person who would like to be wearing a cape right so i'm still in that place in my life and I think that there is this thing where it's been overplayed. It's been sort of done in this way that it feels like it's over. But I feel like the way it's been done has never really captured what being a goth was mm-hmm. to me, which mm-hmm. was not about even morbidity. Like, it was, it was about being these kind of emo-y kids and, you know. Listening yeah. to Morrissey. And- Listening to Morrissey and also, like, you know, most of the goths I knew were, like, relatively chipper people who yeah. really loved yeah. dressing up and like yeah. going to Rocky Horror mm-hmm. and doing all that stuff. It wasn't about just like being like, you know, sad. So I, I, um, I'm still trying to find like the right like place to do more, more gothy stuff. I really want to see goth breakfast club. Now. Goth breakfast yeah. club, right? I just love the idea that they would be, they would all be sort of like the Ali Sheedy character where none of them <laughs> are supposed to be there for, like, none of them have detention. <laughs> They're just all there because that's, because they just want to be the kids who have detention. So they just all go. It's their coven time. Pardon? Their coven meeting time. Yeah, exactly. That's when their coven meets is on Saturday at um. noon <laughs> at school. <laughs> I just thought that would be so great. Well, we'll see. I really hope that eventually we get to do it. Are you still finding yourself writing in a lot of different um, stuff? Like, do, still doing, like, short stories? and? Yes. Yes. I, um, I did... Uh, I was really into magical realism. I still am. Uh, so I have been did, like, a short story in that. Um, mostly what happens is I get caught up in bigger projects. So right mm-hmm. now I am, like, on the very tail end of this... Uh, Saving Montgomery's Soul, which is the next YA book. Okay. Uh, so I've been in the, for like the last couple months, I've been in the, uh, like, revisiting the manuscript that is really big and really intense. So that's almost done. And then I have uh, a couple projects that I have kind of lined up. Um, I like to try to stay in, like, like, I think the ideal world for me would be, like, comic book, not comic book, comic book, not comic yeah. book, because... It's nice to kind of write everything out, but then it's funny because my editor said to me, You're, um, this last edit, she was like, you write like a comic book writer. And that there's periods where I'll just do dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I don't say who said it. <laughs> I'm just like, 
I just go for like a page and she's like, you have to put some bodies in there sometimes. And I forget that I'm not, you know, I just get so into like the back and forth of it that yeah. I forget to, you know, well, you, Earlier you were asked, talking about that, you're interested in how you come up or yeah. how you kind of picture or like how these conversations yeah. work in your head. Conversations, I just hear them. <laughs> it's like, do you have voices in your head? Like I, <laughs> I lived by myself once. And I had a cat, and I would const—I was constantly talking to my cat. And I had a friend come visit me once, and she was like, sitting in the living room, and she's like, "Who are you talking to?" And I was like, "Shut up." <laughs> uh, but I think I just like, for whatever reason, I just—I hear everything as a conversation yeah. first. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I think everybody has this thing. You know, I have a friend who is just, like, a natural poet, and everything she says is just got, like, the metaphors just are, like... Yeah. I just imagine her life as a metaphor um, for something. Um, and I just hear dialogue. I mean, I think that, you know, one day I would love to do something like TV or something like that, just because it would just mean I could just write tons of dialogue. It'd be thrilling for me. Have you done any plays since your early days? Uh, well, since I did the, I think, uh, the Happy 16th Birthday... Uh, Kevin mm-hmm. was my last sort of uh, that sort of doing that kind of thing. I am working on uh, just for my own interest. I'm working on a screenplay kind of thing, um, but just because sometimes it's nice not to be writing the big book you're still writing, so yeah. I go off and do that. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's kind of funny because I would love to do more stuff, mm-hmm. but I have time now for like one project at a time, mm-hmm. so. Uh, I think there's like if I had more time, there's more things I would love to try to write. Do you find when you're working on a project, like, because you mentioned stuff that you pulled out of this book that didn't end up in there, um, does it end up start out as a large thing and then you just kind of pulling like, pieces out from it? I usually overwrite and then uh, I mean the thing is is that it's hard to know what's important. Like when I first started, when I wrote "You Set Me on Fire," which is a book about university, I did like a month of research on college dorms and I went back to McGill I watched countless YouTube videos on dormitories and stuff like that I wrote all that stuff into the book and then the first thing my editor said was we don't actually need any of this stuff so that all that came out it's like listing the ships in uh yeah you know (laughs) but it is it's funny because I think that there's certain genres like you know I read like Philip Pullman uh, I'm maybe. bad. I'm just Not reading comics lately. I'm a terrible person. Uh, whoever wrote the thing about, uh, like, it's a kids' book series where you have the, the golden compass. Oh. oh, and so it's, it's all like he describes the buildings and he describes mm-hmm. the streets, and I'm like, why can't I do that? You know, with the dormitory to say how much money it costs to get your clothes washed. I find that interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I tend to overwrite, and then I tend to take a lot out because I also write off in a tangent where I'm like, because this, like, this. Uh, next book, for example, is about a girl who, amongst other things, is an obsessed with like mystery phenomenon. But she's obsessed with it as like an avid internet searcher. So mm. she's always kind of going on and discovering like remote viewing or black holes or mm. uh, trepanation or all these things. So there was huge trepanation. Listen, it's trepanation is where people drill holes into their heads. Gotta relieve the pressure. To relieve the pressure to potentially make them smarter. It doesn't work. It doesn't. I don't think so. There's been no solid research on it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things was I I was just like, I find all these things interesting. So there's like tons of it in the book. And then, of course, there's a point where it's like, we actually are missing the story because you're going on and on about yeah. trepanation. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to <laughs> suck that back a little bit. So I do a lot of reining it. And I mean, I think that uh, it's actually become a faster process because of working in comics because comics is nothing but reining in, right? Comics is about mm. saying, only saying something if you absolutely need to. Mm. And I think that that, feeling that way about it and not like, oh, I'm losing something, or something's being taken away from me, uh, is, makes, it a, makes editing an easier process. I'm always terrible at editing myself. Oh, really? I'm just one of those people, it's done. Finished. Push it away. Yeah. No editing. No editing. That's I think it's, <laughs> a really, it's a really hard thing to do, yeah. and I think that it's been, it's just been 
this, you know, it used to make, gives me hives. It used to make me so anxious because I would be like, if it's not done, maybe we'll never be done. You know, like, I don't even know. I don't see it. Yeah. And now I think I, I know every time I finish a draft when it's going to need another edit and when it's going to mm. be, like, I actually will finish a draft knowing that I'm going to give it to somebody and it's going to get edited. Yep. How, how long, like, do you, like, what Robin was saying, he likes to just write something and then not edit it. And then, like, I'm kind of the same way, but I was also at another, like, local, young, actually really cool Spoken Works. It's called Spoken Works, and it's, like, featuring young local artists that don't get to be in Spoken word spaces, because it gets really, you know, kind of the same crowd all the time. Macho. Yeah, it's there's like some really rad. Just amazing say the P word. <laughs> P O C. I was gonna say patriarchy. Oh, patriarchy. <laughs> oh, it's like there's so many P words. Penis. So. <laughs> um, but like um, one of one of the the young artists that came and and shared their poetry was saying that they're kind of going through this process where they didn't want to ever do a piece that they had already done in public once. Right. Especially knowing if there's going to be people that are in the same room. Right. That have witnessed it. And so for me, it's also like thinking about that. I was like, right, I'm the type, I've not, I'm not a writer. I don't consider myself, I've ever written any poetry, but I'm surrounded by many, many writers in my life. Like Zane is a writer. My partner does performance and writes. And, but I was wondering for you, like, what is that process like for you in that that internal dialogue and emotions and feelings, all of those things going on, and how long do you wait or before you start editing? Do you, like, pause? Do you, like, uh, go right into it and start <laughs> editing or, like... Well, I don't... I mean, I think the thing is, part of editing is that you can't just do it yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, so for this one summer especially, it's usually... Like, the most editing, we had uh, Calista Brill and Mark Siegel and mm. uh, Shelley Tanaka, who was with uh, Groundwood. Mm. So you get their input, and then most of the editing happened between Jillian and myself, mm. uh, which I really loved. Uh, and she's a great editor, amongst other, you know, genius <laughs> things. Because um, she's a Tamaki. She's a Tamaki. <laughs> um, but mostly, there's an automatic pause, because when you finish something, it goes to someone else. Mm. And then you have a moment to, like, close the door, like, you sent the email, mm. and it's done, mm. and you give yourself a break while they read it. Mm. And then usually, especially if it's a bigger publisher, you wait, like, you know, one or two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then you get that automatic pause. And then I'm a really anxious person. Like, if I... I it's, like the, it's like the presence, you know, under the tree. You're like, what's inside? What's inside? Do I have to rewrite the introduction? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I usually... Um, get into it and I'm also like a I mean it's not the healthiest thing like when I edit it's like me in a room with like my back in like a terrible position is on my hunched over a laptop for like eight hours like I'll just I sit and just work at it until it's ready Uh, and especially with a book unlike a graphic novel Mm -hmm. with a book you have to read like 300 pages every time you're editing it so Mm. It's so long. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like, really? And also, like, it's funny because in this one summer, I cry. I get sad at the ending of that book almost every time I read it because it's very sad to me. Yeah. And it's like, it's sad to me in this way that's like odd because it's so familiar. And obviously, mm. like, Jillian and I wrote it. <laughs> um, but it's also just. It feels like sad in this way that just could touch on so many things depending mm-hmm. on where your life is at. Um, and it's funny because writing that stuff, you also have to go to that sad place. Yeah. And it's emotionally exhausting to like go in a room and be like, I'm going to go be sad at this. I'm going to be sad. <laughs> Do you ever have points? You're like, all right, I got 20 pages left. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the ending's not changing. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, I mean, the real thing for me lately is to just, like, really dig into those. Like, Mm. this one summer was the one time that I was, like, you know, I think that it has, you know, for as much as there's not a lot of story, it really is this thing that relatively concludes and that you have this character who does this reveal and has a moment of honesty. Mm -hmm. And I think that those moments are now, especially when I finished that one, 
when I started working on the book I'm working on now, I thought, like, I really do like that. I like the fact that you have a character who can be relatively honest about something uh, and also not in this way that's about conclusion or about growing or about, like, yeah, I know this now yeah. and I'll never do it again, but more about, like, oh, this is, this is something I have to admit. Uh, so I, yeah, those are the things that I've been, like, I just, like, just been digging into them. And I will say... Um, Cloud Atlas has a really great soundtrack. If you want to make yourself like instantly sad, Cloud oh. Atlas, very good for that. You don't have to watch the movie. You can just listen just, to the soundtrack. The soundtrack, the soundtrack <laughs> is <laughs> solid for like sad. We should get you to like an emo playlist. Yeah. I'm well, I have an, no, I have not. a sad playlist. I have a happy playlist. I have like a bunch of things that I go to mm-hmm. to like get me. Mm-hmm. Like it's funny because I've been listening to writing about like high school. And my, like, entry into writing about high school is Iggy Azalea Fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever reason, that song gets me into high school. That's funny. Yeah, I know, it's weird. I don't know why. It makes sense to me. It's weird. <laughs> I think it's just, like, it feels to me like that. It's cause maybe because I saw the video and I saw the Clueless, that they did the remake of Clueless oh, in the video. Okay, so the video is awesome. <laughs> Okay, but you know Clueless because it's from the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they, she, for her video, is like an almost like shot-by-shot remake of really? uh, major scenes from Clueless. Yes. Oh. Which is a really weird thing to do, and it's very effective. This uh, British band, the Pipettes, did a video uh, where it was uh, done like the party scene from Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. And it was kind of amazing. There you go. You, if you like that movie. If I made a friend like watch it, and she was not happy with me. You know what? Sometimes movies are best kept to yourself. There's things that I'm like, nobody else wants to watch this but me. Like, I've been watching uh, 16 and Pregnant for like the past. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want any, I'm not pulling anyone else into that, that mire with me. It's just me. It's just for me. We have a coworker that watches uh, Real Housewives <laughs> of Atlanta. Exactly. Yeah. I have no interest in Real Housewives of Atlanta. But I understand because I have a, a major interest in 16 and Pregnant. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like mining it for something. Well, it's funny because I wanted to see about how well, people break up. with the book. Well, but yes. But I watched it after this. Also, it's like you find the weirdest things like, um, like how girls call each other sluts and stuff like that. It's like, you know, like weird ideas like mm-hmm. that are usually things I get from watching weird TV or something. It's like, oh yeah. This I was watching 16 and Pregnant because I wanted to see how people break up with each other. Because mm. these dads always break up with their teenage moms. <laughs> so I was watching how they do it. The baby <laughs> Their baby mamas. Baby daddies baby always daddies. breaking up with baby mamas. That's right. <laughs> and I watch it. On that note, um, thank you so much for uh, hey guys, making thanks the time for having to chat me. with us today. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Reminder, folks, I'm talking to Mariko Tamaki, whose new book is This One Summer. With Jillian Tamaki. With her cousin Jillian Tamaki. That's right. And Skim, also. And uh, Miko Superstar with Vancouver friend Steve Rolston. Hi, Steve. Steve. And uh, I'm really bad at listening off your non-comics. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Uh, You set me on fires with Penguin, and I'm working on a book called Saving Montgomery Soul. There we go. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Oh.